Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. Hi mi gente, I am so excited because guess what? Well, you probably guessed it right because you already saw the title of this episode, but we have another interviewee for the week. And oh my goodness, I'm very, very excited to present to all of you, Ashley, who is the author of Hefa in Training. And I actually had the absolute honor to be able to read and write a review for it months and months before the launch. And I'm just excited to have a conversation with Ashley go into detail not only about her higher ed journey because yes she is an educated first gen latina but also just understand her why why this this wonderful piece of work and why has she continued to pursue entrepreneurship for six years even while she was in higher ed like as a higher ed student but okay before i continue to fangirl like i kind of do, because that's like my thing. I'm going to turn it over to Ashley. So Ashley, please introduce yourself, say your name, anything you want. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. I've been actually a super fan for quite some time now, so I'm honored to be here. Um, but hi, everyone. My name is Ashley K. Stoyanov Ojeda. I am the author of Jefan Training and also a business development specialist that works with the new majority-owned businesses, and I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> No, of course. And can you please, if if you don't mind, share a little bit about your higher ed journey. You had shared with me that you had studied in the communications field. Can you share a little bit more with that for us? With us? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I attended Hunter College in New York City and I majored in media communications and actually minored in Spanish. Um, and I studied a lot during my media communications degree. What I really loved about that degree is that there was a huge range of classes to choose from. So I did a little bit of publishing. I did a little bit of journalism, PR, music business. I did a little bit of HTML and design. And it really was a well-versed program. Um, which for someone like me who has always had many passions, um, that was really captivating and kept me engaged the whole time. No, of course. And I love that for you so much, especially because it really, like everything that you just shared right now, I could tell that you genuinely enjoyed what you studied. And I feel like for many, including myself, because I changed my major like seven times during the beginning phases of my undergrad, but it seems like you had it pretty head on. Like how did, how did you know to really listen to yourself? to continue studying towards that. You know what I mean? Oh, well, <laughs> that's not the full story. I started out as a psychology major. <laughs> yep. I started out as a psychology major and then I realized I am not good at science and I was not going to pass that bio class or those statistics classes that I was supposed to take during psych. So I was just like, you know what? Like, I got to play to my strengths here. I've always been a good writer, maybe. Because if you chose the media major, like, you could either um, choose, like, a specialization in, in journalism or just, like, general media. So I ended up doing just general media even though I originally wanted to do journalism because someone told me that journalism was a dying industry. And I was just like, well, <laughs> guess I should go with general, which was totally not true, by the way. Um, but yeah, so um, that was kind of my story. I started out in psych and then halfway, not halfway, but probably like a year into it, I was just like, nope, this is not for me. Um, and halfway through my media major, I... Uh, wanted to drop out and be a touring rock star. And my mom was like, no way. <laughs> she was like, you only have a year left. Like, just stick it out. Just graduate. And I was just like, oh, all right, I guess so. And I'm, I'm really glad I did, though. I'm really glad I stuck it out. No, of course. And I am like, I am so proud of you, like for reals, because it's hard. It's hard to navigate higher ed as a first-gen Latina. Like you, let's say you find your passion and you find the idea, but then you start to hear those, you know, because 
those loving but hard messages from like your parents or loved ones saying, no, you need to study something more quote unquote useful. And then it, it hurts. And it's like, but I don't know about you, but when I, I've, I've always shared with my parents, I wanted my PhD since I first heard the name at 18 and they would tell me just stick to like this field because it'll bring income and stuff. But then I found myself being like, well, no, I want to keep doing this, but to kind of prove to my parents that I can make a living off of it. Like I'm going to work twice as, twice as hard. I don't know if you've kind of felt that way. Did you ever did? Um, I think that it, they never made me feel this way, but I think I always felt like I had to prove myself as a creative entrepreneur, right? Because my brother, on the other hand, he is very good at math, very good at science. The more traditional things that you go into when you want to make money. Like <laughs> he's, he's doing that. He's about to graduate college, um, majored in computer science and probably also could have majored in finance. And he hasn't even graduated yet. And he already has a job offer from Deutsche Bank and he's going to be making $85,000 starting salary with like a, who knows how much starting bonus, like, my brother's got it, right? And so not that my parents ever compared us, but we always knew that he was on that path to like be that successful. And like right away, because he went to a very prestigious high school and he was always just reading finance books and, you know, reading the New York Times while he was eating breakfast at 15 years old. Um, and meanwhile, I was just memorizing song lyrics and performing at bars. <laughs> so I had to kind of prove myself a little bit that like all of the creative stuff that I was doing would, would turn out into something great. And it, it did. Um, not knowing how everything would turn out at the time, but it, I knew that I was onto something. And I'm so glad that you listened to your intuition of just like, I'm going to keep going, keep pushing, because look at you now. And then something that was shared, that you had, you know, shared with me behind the scenes was that you've been in the entrepreneurship game for about six years. Can you talk a little bit about it and how you kind of started dabbing into it while you were an undergrad? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you, if you count my time that I was starting to freelance in undergrad, it's probably closer to eight years that I've been doing this on and off. Um, so while I was in college and I realized that I had a knack for, for PR and just general, like knowing how to identify a story and get it out there, whether it was through traditional PR or marketing efforts. Um, that's really a gift that I've always had because stories were always my connection point, whether it was through writing or songwriting or doing PR. And so I kind of took those skills and started doing small PR projects for small businesses um, where I grew up in Queens and starting with the dance school that I attended actually. Um, and it was really, really fun. And it got me to like put everything that I was learning in school and at my internships into practice. And I remember that first moment that I got my first client at dance school, their first piece of press in the New York Daily News. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like that rush that I felt because I was helping them grow and created opportunities because of that press article for them. Like, I will never forget that feeling. And that is the feeling that I feel now, like every time I help my clients now, like hit a milestone. No, of course. And the clients that you have, can you describe to us what type of demographic are they? Yes. Um, so I work with the new majority owned startups and small businesses. So the new majority includes women, members of the LGBTQ plus community, um, any underrepresented people um, in their industries, those are the new majority. Right now, the majority of my clients are Latinas, um, which makes me very proud and very excited because Latinas actually are the largest demographic that are starting businesses. Um, but 
unfortunately, that does not mean that we are getting the funding that we need to start businesses or have the resources to start businesses. And so that's kind of where where I hope to step in and bridge the gap. Of course. And that's where your amazing HEFA and training work of art, your book, comes into play. And before I keep going deeper into it, is it available like, or will it be available both electronically and print wise? Yes. Yes, it will be. Yes, it oh, will be. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. So quick question for any of the print wise, are you going to like, I don't know, for the first 50, are you going to like write a special little note in it? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, so because everything is virtual right now and I can't do in-person signings, I will say that on March 3rd, we are having a virtual launch party in partnership with Cafe Con Libros, which is an amazing Afro-Latina owned bookstore in New York, in Brooklyn. And, uh, through them, you know, we're going to be, whoever buys the book through them that day is going to receive a nice little signed uh, book plate. We call them, they're like stickers. You can put them in your book and a signed bookmark um, as well. So that is happening. And I, of course, hope post pandemic when everything is safe to, to be able to do some book signings in person. So that, that dream is not gone. (laughs) And it'll never be gone because I always have this saying of mine. I know I sound a little weird, but it's just, that's what gets me through life. It's just like, while we're alive, there's still time. So it's kind of like, as long as we keep going. (laughs) Exactly. No, exactly. Exactly. So, okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Can you tell us more? Like, how can we go to this virtual book? Like, where can we buy tickets? Are you going to let us know? Please tell us you're going to let us know. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Um, At this very moment at the time of this recording, I don't even have the link for it yet. So as soon as I have the link, I will send it your way and we can share it with everyone. Um, there will be no tickets. It's just please, please buy a book from Cafe Con Libros um, so that um, you can support them because indie bookstores need all of our help right now. Um, and so, yes, I will send everybody the link so they can order their books that day and get the special bookmark signed. <laughs> no, of course. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I just keep getting more and more excited as we keep talking. But okay, so one of, and you shared this with me behind the scenes, one of the, something that you said, and it really caught my eye, that's why I had to write it down was resources like they're so limited for our community why why do you think they're limited based on your experiences and your understanding and just conversations you've had i think there's a a mix of reasons right one of the ones that that i think from my own personal experience is because especially as first gens maybe our parents came to this country maybe they weren't entrepreneurs maybe they were And they didn't have access to these resources. So how are we going to know, right? And if we don't go to school for business, yeah, sure, we live in the age of Google, but I think every everything is so there's so much information online. Like how do we know like what's reliable information and what isn't? And that gets overwhelming. Like I'm the kind of person who can Google something for like eight hours straight, but and that's even overwhelming for me, but there are some people who, who can't, who can't do that. And so I, I think that that's part of the reason why is just because our parents came here, they didn't have access to these resources. There's just so much online. And the other reason is that I just don't think a lot of these resources are created by people who are like us. So we don't resonate with them. Um, and we can't connect to them on that level. So I think that's why not just with business, but like with finance or with technology, I think there's a lot of things that, that this happens with. No, of course. And I completely understand where the moment when you said that they just, there's people that, you know, let's say they'll write business starter books or this and that. And a lot of the times they, don't look like us in regards to their they didn't experiences the experience the unique challenges that so many minorities and first gen 
go through. So it almost feels like for us as like the minorities, first gen, who are trying to engage with their content, it feels hard when we hear them say, you can do it too, if I could do it, when we're like, but you already had something super established, which like, mm-hmm. good for you, that's good. But we want to, we, we need to connect, like we need help from somebody else. Because that's how I definitely yes. felt. Yes, 100%. We need help from somebody else. <laughs> that's exactly it. Like I, and I felt that way. I felt that like when I started my first organization, like I read all those books, especially the ones that are targeted towards women. Like, And, and I'm not saying that those books are bad because some of them are, are quite good and helpful, but some of them are just not really what I was personally looking for. Um a lot of them touch on like, you know, changing your mindset and, you know, having more of a money mindset and like, yes, a hundred percent, all of those things are important, but I feel like none of them that I encountered really showed the steps to actually building a foundation for your business. And if I would have had that, I would have not made all of the mistakes that I made um, when I was starting out. But, you know, all of those mistakes also ultimately ended in me writing this book so that other people don't make these mistakes. Um, So at the end of the day, it wasn't so bad that I messed up. But I hope that, you know, this book will help other people from messing up in the same ways that I did. No, I completely understand. And that's how I feel a lot of the time with the type of work I'm pursuing too. So I get you, Ashley. It's just sometimes we're like, we're just trying to help out. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, okay. Something that just took my breath away, which I shouldn't even be that surprised because you're also a Capricorn and I'm a Capricorn and Capricorns, we're just, we're a unique species. All right. I love it. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask was like, okay, so mi gente, like, ah, uh, Ashley, like, oh my gosh, she, it was such an honor that I wrote a review for her book. It's on Amazon. When you look it up, it's there. It's beautiful. Yes. And then of course, as you know, I was like, doing my little admiring slash stalking, I saw that you also got a book review from Eva Longoria. How does someone that just like started from the ground up, you know, being first gen, little to no resources, connections, now like, you know, now having a book review from Eva Longoria, connections, connections, how did that happen? Just just share as much as you'd like. I think we need to repeat that word that you said over and over again connections 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 build relationships associate yourself with established brands that are in the niche that you want to get into because at the end of the day when you're first starting out like you need to build credibility right so even if in the beginning it's just part-time or you know you're doing like unpaid work in the beginning we all we all know and we all hate unpaid internships but if I can tell you how much unpaid work I've done in my life however however I do I don't think it should be completely unpaid right there's always something that you'll be getting in return and you you know what makes sense for you and your lifestyle whether it be they're giving you connections in return that you'll be able to use one day. Um, But I digress um, about Eva Longoria. Um, So Eva Longoria follows some Quirisa, which is a client of mine. And so that goes with being, um, you know, associating yourself with an established brand. And we just were like, we're going to shoot our shot. And we did. Um, But, you know, it all comes down to, I think, with any kinds of asks that you might have in your professional career ever, like whether it's to partner with somebody or, you know, asking them for a job or something like that, like, you have to have that trust and credibility factor. Um, So, for example, it might be the case that Eva Longoria follows the Mujerista, knows that the Mujerista puts out good content. So she was willing to give a first-time author like me a chance because I'm associated with the Mujerista. 
and she wanted to support another fellow Latina. However, if I did not have that credibility and that trust already from working with the Mujerista and all these other great businesses that I work with, it might be that she would have passed. Um, so I think if there, there's if there's anything that I can provide um, is plant as many seeds as you can now. Um, even if you are just like, oh, well, you know, this person seems great, but I don't see how they might be a good fit for like my future career. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know because you don't know what you might be doing in three years or five years or 10 years. So nurture all of the relationships that you are making because you just never know what's going to happen. No, of course. And now I want to ask you something, even though obviously it's me asking you a bunch of stuff, but going two steps back to free work, girl, I get that because it's like, obviously like in undergrad and even now in my program, you know, there's, there's just a lot of things that still get done for, that's a different conversation itself. But (laughs) when I started my platform, I like, I've been doing this now for, I think I'm about to hit two years really soon, which is so crazy. But let me just tell you, Ashley, I've been doing this for like, you know, again, almost reaching two years. I barely started making okay income in November. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I want, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? Like I have no regrets. That's why I have the type of lifestyle that I have where I work. At, at my school site, but then obviously like program and yeah, I, I figure it out is what I'm saying. But what mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you based on your experiences, obviously there's going to be some time where we do a certain amount of work for free for a while. When do you know, or when did you know when it was time to be like, okay, I've done, a, I've done free work. I know I'm, it's a thing I'm supposed to do, but how do you know when it's time to like stop and pivot to the next direction? When I had enough proof to show that I knew what I was doing, that I could provide results, that's when I was just like, yes, it is time to start charging people for this. Um, And, you know, I think the moments where I realized, yes, it's time to start charging. And when I realized I'm not charging enough were two very different moments, but that's something that you learn and it also evolves as you get older because the amount of money that I make now is, is necessary for me because I turned 30 and I'm just a different, at a different point in my life. And I have different goals than when I was, let's say 24, um, you know, at 24, I wasn't worried about buying a house or, you know, maybe starting a family soon. Like that stuff didn't even cross my mind. Um, But as soon as you can provide proof that you offer value to someone else, like you need to start charging. I love that so much because that's exactly how I felt. Because for me, and please, if you can remember, just share it. For me, the moment I knew I could fully start charging was when I had my first keynote at Cal State Channel Islands for first gen week, you know? And I was like, oh. And that's that by then, like I have 70 episodes thus far produced for the podcast. And it wasn't until then I was like, oh, now I can't, you know? How about you? When was the moment where it just like hit you were like, Inside, you were like, yep, from now on, I'm only getting paid. I think it was when my calendar started filling up. I I definitely realized way too late, but I was just like, huh, if all of these people are coming to me, there must be a reason. (laughs) I definitely realized too late, but I was like, man, I've got 20 calendar meetings this week. Huh, must be onto something. But, you know, I'm telling you this and I I don't think I've realized it until now. Like, I think a lot of that was because, like I mentioned, I felt like I needed to prove myself as someone who took like a non-traditional path, you know, like as someone who always labeled herself as a creative. I never thought that I was going to be a business person. Meanwhile, here we are. I wrote a business book, but. You know, I didn't see that six years ago. So 
I think a lot of it was my own mindset around how I saw myself because of whatever standard society puts on you. Um, and I think that that's changing. Like, I mean, we see all these like creators on social media now, like being extremely profitable um, because they are creating things as creatives. Like, I think maybe if I had had that perspective that probably Gen Z's do now that like, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I should have started charging from day one. <laughs> no. And like I said, it's definitely a learning experience, but also Ashley, I feel like may, maybe there is a huge part of you that feels like I should have started charging sooner, but then I don't know. I feel like it was done the way it was meant to be done for you because girl, in my eyes, you are pretty successful. So like, you <laughs> know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And and I think we should also say that being su- successful does not always mean that you are making money. Um, I think success means something different to everyone. No, definitely 100%. Now, if again, feel free to share as much as you'd like, but you had mentioned something super key, mindset. In the mindset you had at the time when you saw that your whole calendar was booked and the mindset you have now where your beautiful baby is going to be launched and ready for us to all buy, what's the difference between both mindsets? Um, well, my, my, my money mindset has, has changed a lot. Um, and when I was younger, I saw money as something that I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to make money. It's just, I always associated wealthy people as being bad people. And I have my own reasons for that. A lot of not so great experiences with wealthy people, um, which I actually explain on another podcast, so I won't go into that. But um, that has changed a lot as I've gotten older and I've read books and have healed this money trauma, I guess, that I had. Because now I see that the more money I have, the more people I can help and the more of an impact I can make on my community. And so that's probably the number one thing that has changed is that I view making money as something that I can do to fulfill my mission, that personal why that I was talking to you about earlier behind the scenes. But I see it as a tool now, not so much as a, um, a want, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And I appreciate, I really appreciate you being so open with this because what I would have done to be able to have someone like you to listen to while I was an undergrad, I don't, I, I mean, it would have been so nice is what I'm saying. So <laughs> I agree. You. I wish I had a me too. <laughs> But you're here now, and while we're alive, there's still time. So now, bringing up that why, talk about that. Talk about your personal why. Just everything about it. Yes. Um, So developing your personal why is, it's not easy, first. I will say that, and it might not come to you overnight. Um, Mine came to me when I was 29 years old. So um, it might not take you that long. But for me, it was just a culmination of all of the things that I have ever enjoyed doing or felt passionate about in my life. And putting that into one, literally just asking myself, why? Why have I always done X, Y, Z things? So to take you through my journey, um, why did I always like curating shows when I was performing music? Why did I always seek out a new artist and want to put them on stage next to me after I already been on stage a lot of times? Why? Why did I want to start a whole international organization dedicated to creating new opportunities and creating community for women songwriters? Why? Why did I choose to only work with the new majority owned businesses 
to help them grow and launch. Why? Then I realized my why is that I've always liked creating opportunities for more people like me. Creatives, Latinas, people that are underrepresented in their industries, first-gen children of immigrants. Like I've just always wanted to do that because I guess a part of me maybe wishes that I had someone to do that for me. And, and I, you know, even though I feel like I didn't have a lot of mentorship in college, um, after college, I've, I've been very lucky to have people kind of help me out. Um, not directly within the industry that I wanted to be in at the time, but related ones who just kind of took the time to help me while I was starting. And I want to be that person for people who are just coming up now. I love that. Now, this next question might sound super spiritual, but again, answer what you would love with it or not, because again, it's your story, your experiences. So uh, I must honor them. But do you feel like there is a part of you that wants to also you know, be that for people because you didn't have that? Because in a sense, it's also healing the younger you to a sense? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, uh, someone asked me what I would tell my 15 year old self, um, in an interview the other day. And I wish that I could just like, first of all, shake her a little bit, (laughs) tell her to be nicer to her mom (laughs) and also tell her, that in 15 years, you are going to literally have everything that you've ever wanted. Everything. Everything. Um, and I, I think that we are so hard on ourselves as teenagers and just confused as young adults in college <laughs> because that's just kind of how the phases of life work us out. But I think we have to learn to trust ourselves a little bit more. No, definitely. Now, as an amazing grown mujer, have you, obviously I'm assuming you have, if not, it's okay too. How are your parents' reaction when you told them you were writing a book? It's selling. People are are loving it because they're supporting you by having you on interviews and having reviews done. Um, they're so proud. They're so proud. I mean, my, so I'm, I'm half Mexican, right? So my dad is New Yorker, French American. My dad's always been like the more laid back parent. Like I've never seen him angry. He wasn't strict on us growing up. He's like a very happy go lucky, like chill guy. Right. And he's always been very expressive about how proud of me he is always. Like always, always went to all of my shows at the many bars that I played at. He never missed one. Like he was always at all of my school concerts, always listening to the podcast that I'm on. He's probably listening right now. Hi, dad. (laughs) Like he's always, always, always been there. My mom also has always been there, but my mom, you know, Latina moms are like a little intense, right? And (laughs) And I think... Growing up, she re- she knew deep down inside that I was not reaching my full potential. So, of course, it would frustrate her. And I know that because I, I'm like that now. I see people not, like, fulfilling their whole potential. And I'm like, ah, you frustrate me. I'm going to help you. Um, but my mom was always just a little bit more intense about that. And I remember thinking in high school and in college, like, I just want my mom to be proud of me. I just want my mom to be proud of me. And she never really told me, like, Ika, I'm proud of you. Now, I tell you, she's texting me, like, at least five times a day on WhatsApp. Estoy muy orgullosa de ti. Emoji, 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 emoji. (laughs) It's, like, five times a day now. And I'm just like, man, if I could go back in time and tell myself that my mom would be doing this, in just a few years, like, I think I would probably lose it. (laughs) No, of course. And thank you so much for sharing that. That's just, I can definitely relate. So I know so, so many (laughs) other people can. And how's your brother doing? Is he excited for you too? 
He is. He's so excited. He's so excited. And I'm I'm excited for him. My brother and I are really close. So it's he's uh yeah, he's been he's so proud. He's so proud. <laughs> no, of course. So now I have to ask, how was the book writing process for you? And did you ever attend like book writing workshops or was it all just like I don't know, like something in you was just like I know how I want to write it, so I'm just going to like go, you know? Um, I never attended a book writing workshop. I wish that I had. Um, the writing part came very naturally because I think it was an idea that was in my brain for so long that once I got over the imposter syndrome <laughs> that I hit um, in the beginning of the writing process, it just kind of flowed out of me. Um, also, as I was approaching my deadline, it also really flowed out of me because I work really well on a deadline. Um, the structuring part though, was really hard for me, especially for a book like this, where like, it's a business book, right? So it's literally a step-by-step guide. So the structure is very important. Um, if I had not had my editors to help me with this, I don't think the book would have been as great as it actually turned out because I'd never written a book before. Um, I have coached a lot of people at this point, but it's different when you're trying to explain things in writing. And I also wrote all of the chapters out of order. (laughs) So trying to make them cohesive and what I think is really great about it, and someone else mentioned it too in one of my last interviews, is that you can read it like front to back if you want as a step-by-step guide, do all the worksheets in between. At the end of the book, you have a business plan. But if you only want to read a few of the chapters at a time, you also can do that. At the end of the day, like it's a toolkit, right? And I don't want anyone to feel like Ashley wrote a business book. She's telling us this is the only way to start and grow your business. Like that's not it at all. It's a toolkit. I'm telling you what I've learned. And there are some tips from other Latinas in the book as well. And take what you want. Take the tools that you think are going to work for you, leave the rest of them in there, and then maybe give the book to a friend or keep it for the next time you're launching a new product or a new service or whatever. It's, it's written that way for a reason in the way that it can engage the reader and be as helpful as possible. And I love that. And I just have to bring up, Ashley, at one point you were just tiny little five-year-old Ashley living in her little world. And now you had an editor. Oh my gosh. That's I have awesome. multiple editors, <laughs> multiple editors. How was that? Like, how editor talk about that a little bit how do you how do you know is how do you know to get one I don't know you know I'm just I want to know everything um well so I am very lucky to have worked with a publisher so my publisher is Mango Publishing they're they've been like the the top indie publisher for like the last few years in a row um and I honestly got so lucky with them because um I think out of the 10 people that were working directly on that are still working directly on my book, like 75% of them were Latinas and my editors were all Latinas, the ones that I was working with to develop the book. So could you imagine if I had worked on this book with anyone else, it just wouldn't have made sense to them, but because they were really like my ideal reader, they were able to really be like, Hey, like, you know, this part needs a little bit more something here. This part's not clear. This part's repetitive. Take this out um, or rephrase it or whatever. Like they were able to put their notes in there. And as a first time author, that was really, really, really helpful for me. No, of course. And then I know you had mentioned previously on the, like in the beginning of the episode that, you know, free work, it happens and we do it for a little while. For you to make the connection into Mango Publishing, was there like free work involved to help you make the connection to be there? 
Um, well, my connection with Mango actually also came through the Mujerista. I was doing a project for the Mujerista and I met my editor. Um, I didn't know that she was an acquiring editor when I met her, actually. We were just talking about something and then we ended up talking about me and what I do and my mission and all this stuff. And out of nowhere, she was just like, hey, I like you. Are you writing a book? And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I have this incredible opportunity and I stopped writing my book proposal literally a year ago. I had not looked at it in a year um, from the time that I thought of the idea. So I did not sleep that night. <laughs> I fixed up the proposal. I sent it over. The publisher actually passed on it at first because they thought the proposal was not ready. And the editors liked me so much that they worked with me to get it um, get it to the point where I got a book deal. So they really believed in it and me, not just it, but they believed in me that much that I, that they were just like, yeah, we need to, we need to do this. And how did that, I don't know, how did it make you feel like, oh shit, like people believe in me. Mm, that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I'm still feeling. <laughs> That's yeah, that's exactly how how it still feels, right? It's that, you know, people and this goes for when you're starting any kind of business too or any kind of career path, right? It's like if you're literally building a brand for yourself, um, and when you're first starting out, like as a business owner, as a musician, as an author, um, People have to not only believe in your product, but they also have to believe in you um, because you can have a really, really great idea. But if you're just like a really not great person and you're hard to work with and you're kind of like full of BS and, you know, chances are people are not really going to want to buy into whatever you're selling. So it meant a lot that they believed in me right away. And I love that for you. So one of the last few things I definitely want to ask is like, okay, so right now you had a mention. <laughs> I loved how you said it. Like, you know, don't BS or whatever. That was funny. I wasn't That's sure so if I was real. allowed. So I, was, real. I, wasn't, so, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to curse on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's okay, Ashley. You're okay. I, I always say at a minimal use, you know, because sometimes we can't help it and I get it and I respect it. So as long as it's minimal, but you're amazing. You're doing great. Don't, no pressure. But, but the other thing that I wanted to ask was like, you had mentioned like, don't be hard to work with. But I also know, obviously, I'm pretty sure you even implemented boundaries in your work lifestyle. And I'm sure the people, your editors did that too. Like, I don't know, what was your, ex how do you learn like healthy work boundaries where even like, you know, even if you kind of like nudge your boundary a little bit, it's okay. Does that make sense? I mean, just think about it this way. Like we're all people, right? So like, Res be respectful of each other like don't don't expect that everyone's work hours are the same like you never you never know what the other person has going on and don't expect that like if you think about it this way if you would not like that they did something to you don't do it to them period <laughs> <laughs> like if you don't like receiving emails at 2 a.m. and then receiving another email at 3 a.m. and then another email at 5 a.m. being like, why aren't you answering me? Don't do it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I love that so much. No, for reals, because it's just like it's funny because literally a few hours ago while I was uh, in my classroom, I was reading an IG story and the professor had mentioned that like, she had a student message her at like 2 a.m. and then re-message her again at 3 a.m. saying like, did you read my email? Like, no, like I have, I mean, not really these days, but I used to have a very random work schedule where I would like send emails at midnight and stuff, but I never expected people to respond at that time, you know, and... No. 
Like, I think that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, it just like use, use your judgment about like what you would want, what you would expect from another person. I love how real you are. I just love it. Real and with class. <laughs> real with class. Because that's my thing oh, too. Thank Look, you. <laughs> like for reals. I don't know if you've gotten this from me, Ashley, but it's so important to me to be real vulnerable, but with class. You yes. know what I'm saying? Because Everything just, about that. Exactly. Because it's just like, I know people advocate and do their works in different, you know, in the ways that work for them. And for me personally, it just, it works if, Things are being said with like class, but a hint of charisma, I guess, you know, <laughs> but it's okay. I just wanted to also validate you and be like, don't worry. I still am in the phase of random work hours, but I just won't like, same. I just won't expect them to respond back right away. Cause it's like, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as, as we get older, like more things in our personal lives come up, like people have children, especially now everyone's working from home and they don't have childcare and they have to homeschool. Like you don't know what, so what's happening in these other people's lives. And then people are getting COVID left and right. Like you don't know, like you don't want to be emailing people like 10 times when they have COVID. <laughs> so I just, just use your judgment. And Setting work boundaries for yourself, too, I think is also really important. That's something that I'm not an expert at, um, and I will be real about that, too, because I've been in business for a while, and finding that work-life balance, I'm getting better. This is the year that I will master it, um, but finding that work-life balance has been hard for me. Um, I very much burned myself out last year. And I am trying actively not to do that anymore. No, of course. And okay, don't worry. I reach burnout all the time too, but I just I just keep it moving, not going to lie. And it happens with almost every aspect of my life, but I think it happens as humans. But I want to ask, like, how do you go about it with picking when you know you're ready to pick yourself up again to keep going and not like let burnout finish you? Um, well, I think in order for us to stop causing burnout, we need to identify what we've been doing to cause ourselves burnout. So now I'm talking directly to you since you just since you just told me that you also burn yourself out. It's a Capricorn. Do you know your human design? We're probably both projectors. I just learned about this. I'm going to send you all of this information. But anyway, we can talk more about you personally later. <laughs> um but I think it comes with, you know, for me, um, I felt, especially in the beginning, that if I wasn't always working, I wasn't doing a good job and that I was going to fail. Guess what? Reality check, that's not true. <laughs> Second of all, I didn't realize that breaks actually help you grow. Like, if you don't take a break, you're not going to be able to have the mental clarity and the space to rest and think of new ideas and like once you've been staring at something for so long like and you're stuck on whatever right like you're not gonna be able to think of any new ideas like that you have to close your laptop take a break take a walk take a staycation whatever and just and just walk away from it for a while like breaks are good also always being available for people. You don't need to do that. It's exactly like what we were just talking about, setting boundaries with other people, but also like set boundaries with yourself. Say, okay, maybe I won't work past 9 p.m. because I know that I'm falling asleep anyway. So like, why? When I tell you I have literally answered emails from a hospital bed before, I am not exaggerating with you. Do not recommend answering emails when you are on morphine. <laughs> Do not recommend if you are ever in the hospital, put your laptop away. <laughs> and I will end there. <laughs> no, you're totally, totally fine. And don't worry, to validate you too, um, girl, 
So obviously, like, it's real. It's just, you know, but I am getting better in comparison to when I was younger. But like something that I literally caused myself and it happened like when I was 19 till now is that I get hives whenever I'm super emotional about anything. And obviously that also comes with stress. So it's kind of like, yeah, now I live with that for the rest of my life because of, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why I told you I was forced to get better at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's and that's really like this last year was like such a a turning point for me because I didn't get hives, but like being real with you, there were like two whole months of the end of the year where I was just like crying and I had no idea why, but it was because I would wake up and I just, I couldn't think. I couldn't think about anything. And it sucks because I love what I do, but I was just doing too much all at once and not giving myself any space for breaks, which is easy to do when you're in a pandemic world and all you do is work from home and not really much else. So, um, yeah, not doing that again. Don't recommend anyone to do this. If you relate to what we're talking about, just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Those breaks. And if you're a Capricorn too, just don't worry. You're you're not alone. You're okay. But with all that, you being, will be okay. <laughs> you will. You will. So don't give yourselves hives and don't send emails from hospital beds. Yes. <laughs> no, sir. Two huge takeaways from this episode. Now, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with us. Like, I just, this was such a good conversation. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to turn it back over to you so you could share whatever it is that you want, more information about your book, whatever you want. It's it's all on you. Thank you so much. I'm I'm super happy that we did this. This was so much fun. Um, you can order the book anywhere that you order books from. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Nobles. If you want to support your indie bookstore, it's on Bookshop and IndieBound. Um, so please go and order Kifan Training and let me know what you think too. I'd love love to hear back from the readers. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashley. And Thank you so much for listening in, mi gente. Cuídense y hablamos pronto. Adiós.